that help the team win. Uh, uh, the Braves obviously need wins right now as they try to hold serve in the wild card and you know try to maintain at least uh, you know a, a a reasonable distance between them and the Mets. But for Von Grissom to just have that 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 calm, cool presence, Ben, you were talking yesterday. Don't be don't be afraid to make a mistake. Go out there, be confident. You've earned the right to be here. You're a talented guy. And guess what? Home run out of the stadium, like you said. You want to get it. You got to go find it, you know, somewhere not in the ballpark, and mm-hmm. to do it, and, and to do it in Fenway, and then you come back with a second hit, uh, just, 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 just great. And you know, for him, those are memories. For his family, they'll, they'll, they'll never forget those memories. But I think for everybody on the team, I mean, you can see the joy. You can see, you know, this is, this is something. This is a, a, a moment. This is a player that gives us even more optimism, even more reason. Uh, to believe, to be excited, to feel like, you know what? We can we can defend this World Series championship, to feel like we can beat whoever's in front of us. And you have an off night tonight, so, you know, a day for Vaughn to, to, to kind of soak it all in. And then, guess what? I, right back in there against Miami, more big games. What, you have, uh, I think, a doubleheader coming up this weekend, mm-hmm. so should get a lot of at-bats. I would imagine uh, coming up this weekend, more chances. I thought he had some, I uh, saw a little bit of the game, I thought he, uh, turned some nice double plays. Had some had some great defensive moments as well. Just 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 a just a dream debut was awesome to see. Uh, everybody you know that covers the Braves has been telling us, hey, this guy's this guy's legit. And like you said, to step right in and to do it, Fenway Park, and to kind of follow in the footsteps of Michael Harris and Spencer Strider and Austin Riley. And you know, you go, heck, we were talking about Jason Hayward yesterday. You know, home run, Jeff Francoeur. I mean, it's just incredible and. Really cool to see. What a moment. What a, uh, you know, what a start. And good for Vaughn Grissom. Have your day, Vaughn. And, I mean, they kept showing his mom in the stands. Uh, he was, uh, the humility coming from him talking about, man, I mean, I, I can, you know, I'm, try, it's like I'm trying to pinch myself because here I am. Guys like Michael Harris. Think about this. A 21-year-old welcoming another 21-year-old to the bigs. And I think, and it goes back to what I said about the culture of the Braves. It's like, hey, Vaughn, listen, it's not, we, we understand that the pressure of this moment is huge. Just go out there and be yourself. Then you jack one. And when he hit it, now when Marcel Ozuna hit his, the pitcher just sat on the ground and man, give me another ball. But I know that thing is out of here. Marcel swings for the fences. But the thing about a guy like Vaughn is everybody had everybody wants to have a certain debut. I get it. I don't care. But you only got one first day. Now Vaughn can say, look, look, man, go to the plate. You know, just be aggressive, but be confident. And if you see something, swing at it. And when he connected, that thing was, I mean, it was, what, 474 feet? They said it would have went, because of the speed, and obviously uh, the distance, it's leaving any park. So all other 29 parks, it's leaving there too. I just think that, for a guy like Von Grisham is, now he knows, hey man, until you get called up, you don't know if you belong. Then you got to see, do I actually belong? I know it's about as small of a sample size you're going to get. It's one game. <laughs> I, I get that part. For one day, you did just fine. Well, yeah. yeah, for one day, man, you're pretty good, kid. You know, <laughs> you, you know, you get to hit the road. But it's how the how the other guys rallied around him. How the guys are. They showed up. They showed up. You know, you got cell phones on the Braves. You don't run around the bases with them. You kind of leave them in the dugout. <laughs> they're, all at, they're all in the dugout looking at his home run. And he walks up and looks at it. So what I like about the, what the Braves are doing, they don't make it. They don't make the game so big to where, hey, man, let's let's – Sharing this moment with the young boy, man. Like, let's not make him like they, now. They could have did the whole. If you hit a home run, we're just gonna send the dugout. We're gonna act like he didn't do it. No, they high fiving him. They having fun with him, and they making plan for the Braves an enjoyable experience. That that's what you're supposed to do. Hey, man, 
We make money to play baseball. We ain't going to be over here. You know, we have youthful exuberance on this team because we got a bunch of 20-something-year-olds. You 20 out on the Braves, you you old as hell. Everybody else, 24, <laughs> 23, 21, 22. But when everybody has a role and everybody embraces their role, you can embrace the new guys. Like, hey, man, of course. What's up, Vaughn? How you doing? He done did, did in two days, the young man probably done done 100 interviews. Every time you see him, interview, 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 interview. But he can mash. You can match with the Braves. You're going to fit right into this. But you know this what's lineup. amazing about that home run, too, though, is like you were talking about, you know, you, I, you see home runs, you had Azunas. Yeah. There are some times where you have a home run, and as soon as, you know, there's the hit, you go, okay, maybe, maybe, <laughs> and you're in, in, in your way. When yeah. that one connected, it's, a wrap. it's, it's over. I mean, it's, it's it, not only is it gone, it is, like we said, outside the stadium, it was such a beautiful swing, such a highlight moment. We were looking at it right yeah. before the start of the show. Uh, but, you know, who cares how you get it? If it barely gets over, sure. it gets over. But that was just one of those fluid, timed it perfectly, nice. knew what he wanted, he nice. found it, gone, and that's just No, no, no. All he did, all, awesome. all Vaughn did yesterday, right, validated, you know, you know, Kevin's eating the sandwich. He's like, all right, Vaughn's up again. He comes out. He's like, let me see what they're going to do. I'm, oh, I almost dropped it. Because baseball is, baseball, like any, like, like no other sport, it's about a moment. You can miss something that you will not see again. And the thing is, the goal – when you're in the bigs, is to not look new. That's it. Don't look like you just got here. What do you mean? Just if somebody turns on the tube, unless they say, hey, uh, just got called up, Von Gr-. No, no, no. They should say next up. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, second base, Von Grissom. But, but mama, he ain't got no salary. He's zero. He watched it. Wham! He had it. And you're stealing bases. And I'm telling you, you fit right in because now, like you said, BJ, we forget how good he was with his glove because of what he did with his bat. But that's why the culture of any any professional team makes the difference because I'm on a team that matters. Everything I do matters, but I don't have to – but all the, all the pressure ain't on me. I can just go out there and be another guy. I don't have to be the guy playing the play out, game in the game out. Yeah, look, I, I, I think, as you said, the, the Braves uh, clubhouse has that has, – has, kind of has that, that feel to it, that, that vibe to it, uh, if you will. And, again, maybe some of that – when Ozzie Albies isn't around – is he kind of the ringleader of some of that? And and he hasn't been around. Maybe they missed some of that. But I thought, all in all, guys, a good a good series. You sweep Boston in two games. They're a bad team. You needed to do that. How bad do they need that, though, after that Mets series? That's what I'm series. saying. I think this was a good bounce back after the Mets series where, uh, you know, the the hype, the, the lead into that series was you got five games against a team you're trying to track down. This is a precursor of potentially the playoffs. How do you stack up with this team? And you got you got smacked around. Pretty good. You lost four out of five. You could have hung your head a little bit and said, hey, well, you know, we're still three or four games up in the wild card. Is it? But they kind of bounced back. No, we got to win some games. And uh, I'm interested to see how this carries over into uh, to Miami uh, this weekend and if they can take three or four from Miami, who's kind of, you know, they're a solid team, but they kind of had some of their struggles as well. They're fourth out of five teams in the East. So they're not uh, – I think they're trying to get in the playoff picture. Uh, but they're kind of having their own struggles. So this is another chance for you to jump on a team that you should beat, uh, quite frankly. So uh, I think the Braves, that was as good of a bounce back and a lift you got from Vaughn Grissom. I mean, anybody knows you in the big leagues, guy making everybody in the clubhouse knew that dude is making his major league debut tonight, and he does what he does. That's big stuff. That can lift a clubhouse. Like Because, Ben, you know this. While you resp- If I'm on a football team, Ben's the new guy. I respect that he knows how to play because he's here. Right? But do you really know how to play? What have you done 
to get here, and can you still do it? I think that's big in, in baseball. It's like, okay, we know this kid's good. Number one prospect, Michael yeah. Harris played with him. Yeah. Hey, I played with him a little bit, Michael yeah. Harris. And, you know, he comes up. It's like, but you know guys like Matt Olson, Austin Riley? It's like, all right, young buck, let's see what you bring to the table. Because we haven't seen you play. You're just the new guy walking in the door. Yes. And you do that instant validation, credibility in the clubhouse. Not only because you're there. I think on some levels, like, hey, you're here. You got to be good. But yeah. Go out and do it, and he did it, and I think that's that's huge for the uh, for the locker room uh, moving forward. Well, yeah, let's not act as if players just because we do it, we don't get impressed. Like it's not like uh, we say, all right, that's enough home runs of that we don't need to see that no more. No, no, it's 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 you saying to yourself, all right, man, we got this young boy. Uh, let's because we watching the game too. Like, all right, let's see what he about. Let's see what he got. All right, boom. All right, he struck out. Okay, it happens. But when he jacked that thing, like, hey, that's nice, bro. You saw that? Like, it's because <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. Because the great part about it, we get to be fans just because I'm a part of them. You know what I mean, like, and the better you are at celebrating your teammates, the better player you become. Because that's something you got to work out of you. Like jealousy and envy on teams is the worst. It is the worst thing that can happen because that man or that young lady ain't doing nothing but taking advantage of their opportunities, even if they play your position. You got to go out there because, like I said, we all will get our moments. You ain't going to remember every home run, every touchdown, whatever. But baseball is different because everybody's watching. You have to play. It's just you. You jack that thing. It's like, hey, listen, man, you can either sprint because you got a, got a, got a, uh, you know, a single or a double, or you can try it because that thing got, you know, you hit it out the park. Von Grisham, for one day, he's fitting right in with his Braves culture. It's not his fault. We expect everybody to get called up now to be elite, like everybody. Thank you, Ronald Acuna. Thank you, Michael Harris. Thank you, thank you, uh, you know, uh, thank you, uh, Austin Riley. We expect everybody. Michael Harris, beast. And all Michael Harris gonna do in the next couple of games is make a catch that only he can make, so we don't forget about him. Like, yeah, <laughs> true. I do, it's like probably true. Everybody shows you why they all who they're just be. Oh man, uh, Ronald Acuna, he ain't playing that well. He already had five hundred hits. What? And he's master at running bases. Like people think base running is a, it ain't an art. The hell it ain't. <laughs> ask, ask Ronald Acuna for that. Ask the catcher who got it, and he's looking right at. I got him. He like is. I got you. And he did a little. Hey man, hey, I'm just happy that Grisham is a brave because I'm tired of you know you know I mean I was gonna get a Robinson Cano jersey but we all go right next to that Rasheed Wallace jersey <laughs> and that Carmelo and, Anthony yeah. Hawks jersey you know I just great listen great sports figures in uh the Luca Hawks jersey <laughs> yeah I got a Luca Hawks you know and I got a, and I got a uh, and I got a you know Carmelo Hawks jersey and I got a Joey Bags. Uh, Braves. I say, Kevin, didn't you have a Joey Bautista and, <laughs> I, and yes. a uh, Ryan Howard Braves yeah. jersey? And, was, was Ryan Howard on the Braves? When do you with the? What do you with the? Uh, no, 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 no. My, the, my, the people, when people, oh, yeah, I think he when did people come to the crib, yeah. they say, "Wait a minute." They say they, they see Robinson Cano, they see Joey Bats, they see Yasiel Puig. They played with the Braves, yeah. It wasn't a long for a hot minute. Yes, I mean Yasiel Puig was a minute minute. Yeah, we got a lot to get to here on the show. Ramon Foster. Uh, former Tennessee Titan, NFL offensive lineman, now hosts a 105, 104.5 The Zone in Nashville. We'll talk some uh, football with him. Also, Jay Hurst, Respect Our Decision podcast. We'll talk some recruiting with him. Matt Smith, southernpigskin.com. Gorov Vidak, we'll, uh, we've scheduled him from yesterday to the day from Battery Power. He'll join us, and we'll talk all about the wonders of Vaughn Grissom. It is three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Hit us up on Twitter. Love to hear from you at Pigskin Radio. We're streaming live as well, ESPNCoastal.com. And Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You can follow us live on video and see all of our smiling, smiling faces uh, here <laughs> online there. Go to our YouTube channel, ESPN Coastal on YouTube. Coming back, talking SEC quarterbacks. Man, what a crop there is in the league this year. It's three and out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you along here on this Thursday. The SEC, man, I, 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 
It's known for running backs and wide receivers, massive offensive and defensive linemen. But sometimes you look around and go, for a league that's been as good as it is. I mean, I'm, I mean, what about tight ends? They're known for tight ends. Only ones that we can do a whole, We can do a whole show on tight ends. I mean, we ain't did it yet. I've been on this, you know, appreciate y'all having me around yeah. as long as y'all have, but y'all ain't never came. Never had a show me ladies. Man, let's just do a whole show on tight ends. Kevin, go, nah, let's do something yeah. else. Only, only ones that wear 84. That's the only ones. I mean, I'm, all I'm saying is, if but, y'all want to talk about the best athletes, we'll. But I'm saying, but, but you talk about the. But you talk about the, uh, the the history of the league. It's never been one where it's like, look at the quarterbacks all over the league. Like you, I'm not saying you don't have a quarterback here or a quarterback there, but throughout the league, I don't know if you've had the depth at the quarterback position that you have right now. Like you go back and uh, when that recruiting class was Stafford, was it Stafford, Tebow, and Mitch Mustaine kind of all coming in at the same time? Uh, maybe you go back to the Eli Manning days, but have you had this many good quarterbacks in the league at the same time in quite some time? When I mean good quarterbacks, I'm talking, and, and tell me if I'm out of line here, BJ. You've had good quarterbacks. Have you had this many guys in the league that people think could end up playing in the, in the NFL? At the same time, highly draftable SEC quarterbacks. I mean, you go back with the Werfels and, the, and, the, yeah. and guys like that. Yeah. I don't know that I've seen the SEC as deep top to bottom at quarterback as they are right now. Kevin, well, think about how much better it is for the league, though. Because let's, let's just call it what it is. It's great that Will Anderson is the number one defensive player in the country. It's great that, you know, uh, Kentucky's going to have a great offensive line. But what, what drives any league is quarterbacks. It drives – listen, I don't care if you're in the middle school league, high school, college, pro, it's about the quarterbacks. And you mentioned Kevin T- – the SEC, the Heisman, Trophy, the Heisman Trophy winner is at Alabama. The defending national champion, quarter, quarterback, is at Georgia. A guy, a guy that has probably the, the guy that has probably the biggest upside, you know, when you when you look at the guys and, and the rest of the unknown right now, it's Spencer Rattler. A guy, two guys that's picked to go in the top ten, right? Will Levis, Anthony Richardson. A guy that's not talked about enough is a KJ Jefferson. You know, I, I Will Rogers. And what happens is it shows that this. The first thing you need at any school. Is the head coach. Bar none. I got to get a head coach. The second thing you need, I need a quarterback. You don't believe me? Ask a team that don't got one. They're going to say all the right things in the camera zone. If cameras go off, it's a wrap. Because no matter what, you need quarterbacks that can win, that can make winning throws. You don't believe me? Look at the second half of the national championship. You can talk, yeah, they ended up with a – yeah, it ended the same way it started with a pick. But if Stetson had to make throws, Bryce Young and company got to make throws, yes, I'm biased when it comes to an Anthony Richardson. Got a chance to meet him before. I had to talk to him. I said, hey, man, you nice. Yeah. Can you make them throws? Like, you know how you squeeze somebody's hand when they get to walk away? Because I'm looking at him telling him. You say, hey, hold up. Hey, hey, hey. You know, shout out, shout out to my son who got to meet Anthony Richardson before I did. But, you know, that's, that's another, that's another uh, conversation for another day. But, BJ, we were talking about it before the show is it used to be you have to win in spite of the quarterback. I got so many great players, he could be all right. That is not the case anymore because – as great as 2019 was, the first thing that jumped out of LSU, Joe Burrow, and that's taking nothing away from Jefferson, that's taking nothing away from Marshall and Chase and all these guys. Started with the quarterback. So now when you look at when you look at what we're looking at now, we talk about top to bottom. Yeah, Alabama got the best quarterback. Surprise, surprise. Right? Right. Georgia's quarterback is about as disrespected as that's a minute as it gets. Because he ain't because of genetics and ain't because of game. 
Because the Bryce Young and Stetson Bennett stood right beside each other. They'd be like, they don't look that different. Yeah, but one has an A on his jersey, and the other one has a G. Problem is, the guy with the G on the jersey beat the one with the A on his jersey. All I'm saying is, if you need, a, if, if you're looking for a great time to have some great quarterback in the SEC East and West, top to bottom, sorry, Vanderbilt, top to bottom, I, I think, BJ, this is going to be a year to go. Because while we got the usual names, I think – why, it, why it's going to be about the Burrow, I mean, why it's going to be about, you know, the Bryce Youngs and the Stetson Bennett's of the world and he's, and Will Levis's. I think I think when it's all said and done, we're going to be talking about guys throughout on these not-so-high-profile teams that might have a better quarterback, might not get, have more wins than losses, but as far as quarterback play, I think I think uh, the SEC East and West is loaded. It's a great group. And to answer your question, Kevin, I was looking, I was kind of thinking off the top of my head, you know, how does it compare – I mean, it might be the best group or the deepest group. You go back to 2013, so we're talking about a decade, you know, a near decade. I mean, that's when you had Johnny Manziel, Aaron Murray, A.J. McCarron, Bo Wallace, Connor Shaw, Dak Prescott, Nick Marshall, you know, just to name a few. And I think this group, when you talk about proven commodities, when you talk about depth, as you said, Ben, it's not one guy, it's not two guys, it's not three guys, it's around the league. I mean, it's 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 very very impressive. And uh, look, I look. I know the point of the segment here is to try to rank. This this, <laughs> this was brutal to do. I mean, brutal. Yes, yes. I, I, I mean, to 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 try to rank. We wanted to rank our top five quarterbacks in the SEC right now. To me, that's kind of a combination of best and and, and greatest kind of co- combination of an evaluation and a projection. Do you want me to go ahead and go with and go with mine? And I'll go five to one as you want. Um, but th- that's the way you do okay, a list. Okay, but that's as you want. And listen. I'm, is I, that what I, that's the Kevin, way you do Kevin, okay. it's, it's, No, that's what you want me to do. Okay. Now, listen, I, I, I do agree there's an element of the unknown here. Uh, uh, Coach Beamer said yesterday, though, this guy hadn't lost a game in two years. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he was playing terribly. Yeah. And he does have a fantastic season on the books. Yes. And people have talked about him as a high. And, and, and still, number one still very, very talented. Yeah, so I have Spencer Rattler at five uh, from South Carolina. Again, different offense. Different system, yeah. different level of competition. I think sometimes in the Big 12 it can get a little wide open. And, you know, uh, Spencer Rattler does have a win over Florida on his resume. And, uh, but we'll see. This is, this is going to be a little bit different, but I, but I think the talent is there. I think South Carolina is going to be a really good team this year. So I go Spencer Rattler, South Carolina 5. I went K.J. Jefferson, Arkansas, number 4. I think he's uh, a little bit underrated. I mean, this is a guy that had... Then we were talking about it, a 21-4 to touchdown-to-interception ratio, and that guy's going to give you, what, 7, 8, 9, 10 rushing touchdowns, six, 700 rushing yards, helped Arkansas win some big games and come even closer to winning some more big games. I mean, Arkansas surpassed expectations last year, and a big reason was K.J. Jefferson. Now he's got some experience, has a great touch on his deep passes. Again, very efficient. I love quarterbacks that don't throw interceptions, that get you into the red zone, complete a high percentage of the passes. So I go K.J. Jefferson, uh, Arkansas, four. I have Hendon Hooker at Tennessee, three. Uh, top five in the country in passer rating. We didn't even get to see him for a whole season. Maybe, I, I mean, what does he do for an encore? Could he even somehow improve on those numbers? Could he be more comfortable in, in, in year two and maybe in a preseason where he's not having to compete for the starting job? So I'm a big Hendon Hooker fan. I do go Stetson, too. I have Stetson Bennett, too. He won the national championship. He was the MVP of the national championship game. He was the MVP of the semifinal game before that, and he's top five in the country in passer rating. Okay, he's not 6'4". Who cares? Okay, he wasn't a five-star recruit. Who cares? He's done everything 
and did everything last year. And the number one, Bryce Young. I mean, Bryce Young's probably going to be the number one overall pick. Heisman did it all. Great proficiency. Uh, you know, leader. Uh, can, can make every throw on the field. Uh, so I will go Bryce Young, Stetson Bennett, Hendon Hooker, K.J. Jefferson, Spencer Rattler. I mean, our list look very, 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 very similar. I got a different guy at number five. My number five, surprise, surprise. Yep. Oh, I got Anthony Richardson. This is what I, this, the thing about Anthony Richardson is this. I mean, obviously he gave us a, a really, really good sample size last year. Got to have his first start against Georgia, but now he understands. Wearing number 15. You wear number 15 at the University of Florida, you know what comes with that. Gainesville native, 6'4, 240 pounds, got wheels. Can he do normal things? Can he throw the ball away? Can he get down? Can he take his cape off when needed, you know, and do just the regular mundane things to help because he's going to have a running game, right? And I compare him to what, what went going on my senior year. He doesn't have the greatest supporting cast, but he's going to have a hell of an offensive line led by Osiris Torrance and those guys up front who's preseason All-American, might be the best uh, guard in the country. I think Anthony Richards can be as good as he wants to be. My number, my number four would be just like K.J. Jefferson. Don't knock the man because he go to Arkansas. Look at what he does. 21 touchdowns, what, four picks, seven, seven rushing touchdowns, that's about as efficient as it gets. And that's, and la- that's, you know, now he got another full year under his belt, more comfortable. I think he's only going to get better. I like guys that not just have wheels, they have proof of production. 700 yards and seven touchdowns, that's a great year for a running back. And he's also giving you 21, which lets you know the dual-threat quarterback is alive and well in college football. Number three is Stetson Bennett. Look, 29 touchdown passes. What over completing over sixty four percent of his of his passes, BJ as you mentioned, you know uh, college football national championship MVP, no number one receiver. How many guys are going to give you twenty nine touchdown passes? I don't have a number one receiver. And that's taking that away from Brock Bowers. I'm not saying Brock is his number one receiver. He don't got a guy on the outside. George Pickens, George Pickens played in two games, two, right? And that's because they wanted to show that he can that he can get back to form. My number two though, it's Hendon Hooker. When Hendon Hooker got installed into that offense, it started clicking, and for what? Coach Hyper wants to do, he is built for it. I mean, they want to go fast, they want to go fast, but you got to have a guy that can control everything going on. He, it looks like Hendon Hooker has full control of the offense. He understands what, you know, what the head man wants, and he can go out there and execute it, and he looks comfortable doing it, and it fits his skill set. Because when he first decided to come to Tennessee, he didn't think he was going to be running that type of offense. That's why he wasn't installed in there first. When they finally put him in, which is very, very hard to do, people, to go from one school to another school means, or if you go from one school and leave the other one, the previous one, because sometimes you're not a good fit. Hendon Hooker proved to be a good fit, and you got some big-time expectations for them Tennessee boys this year. We'll see what happens. But number one surprise, surprise, Bryce Young. Yeah, Bryce Young is good with any, any, anybody you give him. I know people are like, oh, he had. No, 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 no. Now, he had Burton, and, you know, he got to run the game with Jameer Gibbs. Surprise, surprise to Rich, even getting more richer over there. But B.J. and Kevin, he's already won the Heisman. I know everybody, now, can he go back-to-back? That's not important. I won the Heisman. What he hasn't done, he's a part of a recruiting class that has a Heisman that doesn't have a natty. That doesn't happen in Alabama. You are part of a recruiting class. Every recruiting class comes through, they get. Now, Heisman's, you know, that's, a, you know, that's something extra. The guarantee is the natty. They got the they got the SEC championship game, but once again, another year on this belt, understanding very you know more comfortable. And, and look, I and I'm gonna say this: I could I could have switched this up and gave five new, new guys, but yeah, uh, you know, Young, Hooker, Bennett, Jefferson, and Richardson. Yeah, I mean it's very deep, very deep. I have Richardson five. I think he's gonna be. And again, I'm not going on straight ability. I'm doing a mix of ability and where they play. I think he's got a chance to be really good there uh, at Florida. You say, well, you don't think Florida's gonna win the East? Uh, you're right. I have him behind two other guys that are in <laughs> that are in the East. Will Levis, I think, is very, very good. 
I think he's got the run game to complement him. Going to be nice in year two there. I put Stetson three. I actually have him behind four guys. Anthony behind four guys that he's hinted Hooker. I do think is two. That's a good fit, uh, good system for him. And then Bryce Young number one. So Ben and I not far off on what we thought. We got to step aside. Ramon Foster, former Tennessee offensive lineman uh, for the Vols, going to join us when we come back. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back. Here it is, three and out on this Thursday. College football, the countdown is on. A lot of folks talking about Tennessee and what they could potentially do in the SEC here in 2022. And uh, joining us here on the program, a former Tennessee of all offensive line, played for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. You can hear him on 104.5 The Zone in Nashville, Tennessee. Ramon Foster joins us here on three and out. Ramon, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. Thank you guys for having me on. Hey, we appreciate you coming on. I know Tennessee made great strides uh, last year. Are you buying the uh, second-year improvement to be uh, even greater? A lot of folks saying maybe even contending to be number two there behind Georgia in the East. Man, uh, it's, it's been a long road. And, and those coaches came in, Coach Heifel and his staff came in and just kind of reset those guys. And what we're starting to see now is a, is a bunch of players that actually get to play football. And that's what they kind of – that's what we saw a little bit last year. That's what those players actually said. And to have multiple draft picks come out of Tennessee, considering the way 2020 went with them under Jeremy Pruitt, and to actually have right now through some stability at quarterback, which is a huge point of emphasis for almost any program. I don't care if it's high school. I don't care if it's college. I don't care if it's the NFL. If you have a quarterback, you have a whole lot of things. And the way Coach Heifel and his staff, uh, Coach Golish as the OC, are running this offense right now in the SEC, and it's proven that, you know, at least in the first year, that it can gain some traction if, granted, you get the athletes and the guys have the system underneath their belt that they can flaw. I mean, that they can run it flawlessly. And that's what we're looking for as we try to, you know, find ways to get wins against that juggernaut of Georgia and trying to compete with Alabama. And, of course, I know Ben's on here, Florida. You know, we've had some trouble with them, too. Ramon, what impressed you most in year one uh, there with Josh Heupel and uh, Hendon Hooker and, and, and just what we saw last season? What did you take away from uh, watching that team exceed the expectations of many in year one? Um, the level of execution, is, uh, especially offensively, uh, that was huge for me. And I'll say this, too. We talk a lot about this offense. I think a lot of people are betting. This, uh, this, this good fortune coming towards Tennessee because of the offense. But that defense held us on as much as they could for as quick as that offense can be as far as you might get a three and out after like 20 seconds and the defense got to go back and hold us on. That defense did a lot of good things last year and had a couple guys drafted relatively high with Malcolm Butler being one of those dudes that was drafted pretty high. And, and they, they found their way into saying, look, if you guys can get us a breather here and there, we're going to commit to stopping the run. And we have some guys that actually highlighted themselves and got into NFL camps this year that you can tip your hat to. That was the one impressive thing to me is the way that defense continued to play. Although at times it broke because teams decided to do the opposite. They, they wanted to keep Tennessee's defense on the field long so they can wear them down. But they capitalized in moments when turnovers were in front of them, sacking the quarterback. They got after teams more than I thought they would have considering how low Tennessee was on scholarships last year. I think it was 69 scholarship players when the majority of uh, SEC teams hold about 85 to 90. And, Ron, I mean, most of the time, though, when I think about Tennessee, right, you, you mentioned Coach, Coach Pewitt and different guys that came through there, right? 
You get a guy, you get a guy, Coach Hyper, that comes over from UCF. He wanted the job. Like, look, I want to smoke. I want to come to Tennessee because I feel as though I can be that guy. I know you got Hendon Hooker. I know they had an incredible year last year. But talk about Coach Hyper and his effect because one thing about it is Tennessee ain't for everybody, man. Everybody think, oh, I want the job. I want the money. I want the prestige. I want the tradition. Can I handle the pressure we're coming with? And talk about Coach Hyper and handling the pressure and saying, look, if I can meet expectations when nobody expects us to do anything, I get some guys in here. We could be back. We could be back competing for SEC crown. Yeah, man, and and that's what's so interesting about him taking the job. It looked like since Danny White, AD Danny White, was his guy at South Florida, that it was you know it was his job to be or UCF. That was his job to be taken, no matter what. But they reached out to other guys and from big schools that say, hey, if you want this job, come take it, and they passed on it. And Coach Heifel was in a position, like you said, he admitted that he wants to be the reason why this program is turned around. He's good at being at Tennessee. This isn't a a uh, platform job the way Lane Kiffin treated it when he was at Tennessee to where he bounced to another school. I, I feel like the way he sold himself to us, to the fan base, to the players, is he wants to build it up. And that's the one thing, aside from Lane, um, with the former coaches we've had since Coach Phillip Former that I think the job got a little big. I think the expectation, because I'll admit, we have a rabid fan base. We have a fan base that is starving for wins. We have a fan base that really is looking for a standard that was kind of set before the coaches even got there because of Coach Former and the way he won in his tenure there. Um, those other coaches from Dooley, from Butch, and, and Jeremy Pruitt, I think, you know, that pressure may have kind of gotten to them. Or either you guys know, like I know, because Auburn's dealing with it, the, uh, the the involvement, the way boosters trying to, you know, have their say-so and stuff. Like, you have to be right-minded to handle that type of job. And I'm sure Kirby Smart feels the exact same way. I'm sure Nick Saban feels the exact same way in Alabama, too. Like, there's a lot more than coaching that gets involved with these type of jobs at these type of universities in the SEC. Um, Shane Beamer, you know, he's got a whole lot of excitement going around South Carolina. I'm sure he feels that, too, and – when you got a guy like Shane Beamer, Beamer that's committed or Coach Josh Heupel, then you really put yourself in a position if you build those programs up. I don't want to say to get a statue outside of the, the stadium, but you can become legendary status. And we don't see enough of that anymore in college coaches because everybody's trying to find that guy that's going to be a quick fix and get them to the national championship. And that's just not the case anymore. Ramon Foster joining us here on 3 and Out. Ramon, it seems to me the – the path to uh, to Tennessee's success is how they fare against the big three. And as I define it, you know, the, the, the Georgia, the Florida, the Bama, the last 15 years it's been pretty abysmal against those three. Now, granted, two of those teams are in the top three right now. How close do you think Tennessee is to turning the tide against even one, maybe two of those teams to try to get back to competing in the SEC? And obviously if you can do that nationally. Uh, I think it's close. Uh, I think for sure – the Florida side of things with every with everything that they have going on with guys transferring transferring out them getting a new coach and just trying to you know find their niches Miami kind of make their way back as far as the recruiting cycle goes down there and Florida too if there's any of the big three in Tennessee the only one that plays the big three every single year Georgia Florida Alabama is what I said and that's another component of taking that job at Tennessee you get no weeks off like there are some teams that haven't played in Death Valley in the last like five six years against LSU. So having that be the case, uh, but it's a matter of you're judged off of those three games for the most part. Is How close are you to beating Georgia? Do you beat Georgia? 
Where are you at as far as at least competitively with Alabama? And I think everybody asks himself that when it comes down to Alabama. How close are you competitively to them? And then Florida. When Florida is down, you have to jump on them simply because if they get good, you'll never get away from it. I'll never forget, we beat them in my time at, at the University of Tennessee in 04, and, you know, they got you switched to Urban and everything just kind of flipped for that university. So it'll be interesting to see how they approach that game. That Florida game is the fourth one on the uh, schedule this year, and Georgia's a little bit down the line. It was Roman Harper recently, I think yesterday, that kind of came out and said he had Tennessee beating Georgia because that game was so far pushed back. And considering what Georgia's quarterback situation is going to be, you just never know what type of team you're going to get at that time of the year. On top of this Tennessee offense being as explosive as it is, it's not a matter of, you know, can they catch you slipping or, or can they find your weak link? It's a matter of when they will find it. And that's one thing that we're kind of banking on. And also considering the fact that Georgia lost so many players this year to the NFL, that's one you know, a uh, component of, of, of college sports that you do have to deal with. As we heard Nick Saban kind of say last year, even though they were in the national championship, it was a rebuild year, and we none of us believe that. Uh, Ramon, to kind of follow that up, obviously the SEC is going through changes in the coming years. As a former player, if it means you don't play Alabama anymore every year or, or Florida or Georgia, are you okay with that, or is that something you want to hang on to as a former player? Even if it means potentially a, an easier road, quote-unquote, for Tennessee in the in the SEC? Me and my competitive spirit, and I don't know how this coaching staff feel about it, I feel like Heifel's already – I feel like I read that he said, you know, I, he, he wants that game. I think the rivalry aspect of it being uh, uh, as traditional as it is, that's something we have to hold on to in the SEC. I'm not opposed to playing the big three. I just wish other teams that kind of get a little bit of an easy streak against those play them more frequently, whether it was ones against ones, as far as the overall uh, scheduling, the way the NFL does it, you're number one in your division, then you got to play the number one in the uh, AFC North if you're number one in the AFC South. Maybe that's a method or system that they can adapt soon. But, no, we're not going to run away from those games. It's just the acknowledgement that anybody that comes to the University of Tennessee or any coach that coaches there, you have to assume that, look, we're competing against those guys. So, no, keep those rivalries. I want to be able to, uh, even at my house or – if I'm at those games in which they beat Alabama, I want to be able to strike up my cigar too. So uh, never run away from a challenge. And, Ramon, I mean, the state of Tennessee. I mean, uh, I was blessed enough to play with the Titans. I mean, there's so many colleges, MTSU, Austin P, Tennessee Chattanooga, you know, but nothing, nothing moves the needle like UT, nothing. If you are from the state of Tennessee, if you're one of the best players, you do not leave the state. I played with Troy Fleming right there from Franklin, Tennessee, Battleground Academy. How much different is the state when Tennessee, when the Tennessee Vols are good? It's so much more different. And you guys know I'm on the radio here in, in Nashville, too, which is a huge hub of Vols fans. It's, it's so different. Like, I won't ever tell a kid where to go as far as, you know, their home state team. Um, but if you're number one in this state in Tennessee – as of right now, has the, the number one player in the state from uh, from here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, Caleb Herring. He's the number 11 overall edge rusher, number one in the state. He's going to Tennessee. Me being a kid from Tennessee, man, that went to UT when it was, you know, flying high in 2004, it's been beneficial for myself to actually stay here in state. And I know that's a direct reflection of Tennessee being good, us having good moments, playing in the SEC championship, knocking off Florida, knocking off Georgia, like that matters here, man. And, again, as you said, the Titans, 
they're an NFL team. I feel like that fan base can get a little rabbit, but when the balls are good, it's not only good for this state, but it's also good for those rivalries too. I'm sure Alabama is tired of us saying that it's a rivalry when they've knocked us off the last like 12 years, you know? So it's, it's good to, to see the balls be good, even though I'm speaking to maybe a Georgia fan base that don't want to hear that type of stuff. Ramon Foster, our guest here on Three and Out. Ramon, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Never a problem, guys. Ramon Foster joining us here on Three and Out. We'll come back with more all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back. Here it is, Three and Out. Kevin Thomas, BJ Bennett, Ben Troop. Glad you're making us a part of your day. We talked about uh, with Ramon Foster, fellas. You had Georgia, Florida, and Alabama, the big three. Can you beat those? And it's bad. I told you how, how bad I thought it was. I'm going to get the Georgia series. Last 15 years, Tennessee is 0-15 against Alabama. Last 15 years, Tennessee is 1-14 versus Florida. That was, and I, that's, that's a Joshua Dobbs game. And, and, and I think Tennessee has beaten Georgia maybe three times in the last 15 and years. And one of those so, times was on a Josh Dobbs. Hail Mary. So maybe at best you are 4-41 against your big three in the last 15 years. That is not even close to competing for anything. Yeah, and I mean, look, I, 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 I think two things can be true at once. I think Tennessee's on the right track, clearly. Yep. Yep. I think Tennessee's getting better. Yep. I think Tennessee might be the second-best team in yeah. the East. Uh, probably deserve to be considered that. But in terms of being realistically close to Georgia, realistically close to Alabama, I mean, nobody is outside of Ohio State, Clemson. I mean, so I, I, I would say that's probably a, a, a bit off right now. Florida, can I think, do I, do I think Tennessee can be better than Florida? Yeah, I think Tennessee probably feels like they're a better team than Florida this year. Yeah, I think Ramon is, Ramon is kind of telling you what goes on in those walls. I mean, you forget about when he says we're the only team we get Alabama, Georgia, and Florida, I mean, every year. And they play LSU this year. Yeah, so I think at the end of the day, the barometer, no matter what, you got to beat Alabama, you got to beat Georgia, and you got to beat Florida, and here come LSU. Yeah. Good luck with that. 6-39, <laughs> <and> <laughs> I got it. They're 6-39 and 39 against the big three. We're coming right back. Take three around the corner. It's three and out. Good to have you along. It is three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. A lot to get to here in our number two. Jay Hirsch will talk some recruiting with us uh, from Respect Our Decision, a Gators recruiting podcast. Also, uh, some local recruiting news we're going to hit on here in hour number two. Matt Smith, Guravidak will join us coming up in the final hour as well. So, a lot to get to uh, coming up. NFL preseason going on uh, this week. Uh, and the Falcons and Jags will be back at it tomorrow. But first, fellas, let's take three here on three and out. All right, Vaughn Grissom, take one. He made his debut last night. Will Vaughn Grissom or can Vaughn Grissom stay on the roster once Ozzie Albies comes back? Remember, he is a second baseman, actually really a shortstop, but is a middle infielder at this point in his career. Yes, I think he's here to stay, and it's not just because he had a historic debut, but I think... This is a guy that was your top prospect for a reason. I mean, very rarely do you have a top prospect come up. It happens. I mean, he, look, Ian Anderson won a World Series last year. He's about, I'm not saying things don't, things don't sometimes you know, change, but I think clearly the confidence is there. Clearly the ability is there. I think he's got some versatility, can play second, can play short. I know you even said yesterday, Kevin, depending upon the circumstances, can you put him in left field? Can he DH? I mean, and remember, in uh, baseball in September, the rosters expand. So even if Ozzie comes back, I mean, when Ozzie comes back, I mean, I think there are a lot of questions. Is, is he ready to start and play every single 
game for nine innings? Are you trying to ease him back? Uh, what's the status in a month with Arcia's injury? Again, Grissom has versatility, positional versatility. Ben, you say this in football all the time. Can you do more than one te- uh, thing? Can you play special teams? Can you, you know, fit in a couple of different uh, packages potentially? I think Grissom has the potential to play not only where he's playing now, but also be a valuable piece as a starter, perhaps elsewhere, be a very valuable piece on the bench. Uh, come postseason time, who you have on that bench matters a lot. I mean, ask the Braves last season winning the World Series. Can somebody get uh, come in and give you uh, uh, a clutch hit in the eighth or ninth inning? Can somebody come in and be a defensive sub? Can somebody, you know, spot start? So I think his versatility is valuable. I think he will absolutely be up here to stay. And let's say, you know, everybody wants Ozzy back, obviously. Let's say, you know, you certainly hope Arcia recovers as soon as possible. If that happens, I think as the rosters expand, and Kevin, you mentioned the minor league season's over. I mean, so it's not like, let's well, say... the minor league season's over at the end of August. Right, but, yeah, but, yeah. but, but by this point. But let's say, let's say the idea was we want to send him down so he's playing every day. Well, that's not even an option at the end of the month. I think you want him with the major league club, and I think you will have earned the right to stay. So, yes, he will be with the Braves the rest of the year. Yeah, I think he's going to be with the Braves the rest of the year for what you just mentioned, uh, BJ. I mean, uh, you know, versatility. The thing, the thing about him is... They they want to see they want to see how he handles the moments. They want to see how he blend in with the ball club. They want to see how he blend in with the culture of the Braves. And the thing about Ozzy, that doesn't mean that Ozzy's going to be fine. People are like, oh, they're gonna no, you're not gonna trade Ozzy when he comes back. But it's like you said, when guys first come off of rehab or injury, you, you want to ease them back because while they're good enough to come back and play, are they good enough to come back and play every single day? It kind of it kind of makes it so that not saying they. Not saying they're not trying to get Ozzy back as quick, as quick as possible, but because I know I got a young fella that can step right in, no, he's not filling Ozzy's shoes, but he's good enough to go out there and give us quality at bats, steal bases, and he's pretty pretty good with his glove. The goal is to make it hard to send it back now. Kevin, I'll, I'll go back with something you say with Michael Harris. Michael Harris is there for one game. You go, nope, not, absolutely not. He's not going back. You saw him play one game. You go, nope. <laughs> and, I, and usually it's and kind of, it's it's kind of like the Austin Riley effect. It's like, well, dude, like, how do we send them back there? Like, what? Like, you send guys back down when they're struggling, not because you called them up and they're balling or because I'm superseding expectations, I'm going to go back down. Kevin, you saw you saw Michael Harris make one catch and go, oh, he's there. That's it. That's our center fielder. That's it. You know, Christian Pache who? And it happens like that, right? Yeah, well, you mean we you, you brought him up Pache. for a reason. If he yeah. proves that he's good, then he ain't going but back. But at the same time, too, that's good for Ozzy to see that because every player needs to know, hey, man, as great as you are, and Ozzy is incredible, we got another guy now. Like making and two things, younger, cheaper, right? That's the one thing. That's the one thing no player wants to deal with. Ozzy is fine. I know. Listen, if you want to add tweet me at biscuits and gravy, say whatever you want to say. <laughs> but I'm just saying you're gonna get me in trouble. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I like I like making it so that a young guy makes it hard, not for the guy he's replacing, but for the team to send him back down. Yeah, I I I think the best thing I I think if he's up there. And this is, I only say this for top prospects. Uh, you know, if you're talking about, we've seen guys like O'Neill Cruz and other guys come up with, a, I mean, you don't bring those guys up and say, we're kind of we're kind of pinched at your position. No, you brought him up. He's there to play, right? So DH, put him in the outfield, teach him to play left field. As I said yesterday, if he is better, leave him out there. God knows some Marcelo Zuna can't play left field, right? I mean, he can barely hit. I know he hits homers, but that's about it. So... Is there a role for him? Yeah, I think there is. Uh, and again, Austin Riley played left field because he needed to. Chipper Jones played left field because he needed to. You can move around the diamond. 
Freddie Freeman played third base because the Braves needed him to. Uh, uh, you can move around. Find him a spot to get out there if he is continuing to play at a high level. It is nothing but good. He's your top prospect for a reason. He can play. Let's give him a chance to go out there and do it each and every day. All right, moving along. Take two. Which would you rather watch? And we got preseason football. We got high school football scrimmages out there. And this is, well, kind of disrespectful, I guess. But which would you rather watch? Browns at Jags. Falcons at Lions. Ouch. And this is preseason. Or the third quarter of one of these high school scrimmages that are going on tonight and tomorrow. Where you get a bunch of oh, JV man. guys out there. Look, all that. I'm going, Which would you rather watch? I'm going with the high school guys. Look. Oh, really? Yes, because listen, I know <laughs> I know I know I know you and Christian I, and PJ already have all the uh, you know, already have all the, the high school news and notes and everything sure. and uh, some recruiting news today to get to, by the way, in just a little bit. Uh, but look, man, I, look, high school football is 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 you know tradition rich. You may not necessarily see guys that are gonna uh, be leaders in the, this schedule this year. But but you never know. I mean, more and more you're seeing more underclassmen. I mean, you you guys told me last year, hey, there's a sophomore, there's a freshman. So man, I'll get out and uh, support support the uh, local student athletes and uh, do the high school. I mean, d- dude, are you really excited to watch Falcons preseason football? Yep. That's why I, had to I mean, I, I mean, list. well, we'll get to that, but get, give me the high school football. Listen, I, I, I'm gonna listen. Um, obviously, I'm always like uh, when it comes to high school football. I know what I know what it's like, like having very, very, <laughs> yeah, very, 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 very limited slots. But I do want to see them Falcons and the Lions. One because the Lions are on Hard Knocks, and Hard Knocks is just like something I love. But two, Kevin, I want to see the arrow start. Oh my God! Every throw that Desmond Ritter makes, ooh, did you see it? I'm telling you, he got that zip Russell on the ball. Russell Wilson 2.0. No, no, no. But this is what I really want to. <laughs> now, this is what I really want to see. It's the third quarter. The starters are out, and that D line for the Falcons got to get some push. And you're saying to yourself, "Come on, come on!" Oh, that's not. Oh, they got to get the push. Oh. I thought you were gonna say Felipe. You ready to see Felipe? Oh, now, I will say this. Felipe, think about this. Felipe Franks is gonna be tired as hell. He gonna have to play tight end. And, and he's when, the third and quarterback. He's third quarterback <laughs> and he plays special teams, right? So Felipe is going to be out there. Listen, so Felipe going to run the wrong route because he's tired. And then that quarterback, he's going to yell at himself. But what was you doing? You know you got the – no, I do want to see the Falcons because this is the thing. Now, the Jags and the Browns. If Trayvon Walker gets off against Trayvon the Browns. Walker, listen, Trayvon Walker going to get a sack. He's going to say, people say, oh, I can't wait for Trayvon Walker to get a sack against Deshaun Watson. Deshaun ain't going to be in there that long. Anyway, I want to see the Falcons – because our own D. Orlando is watching. And I'm going to be looking. I'm going to see if D. Orlando is in, you know, already like uh, regular season form because he'll put out, you know, a glass with a adult beverage in it and says, I will not drink this unless it gets bad. <laughs> no, that's no, 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 no. That's home team. Home team. Because, because, because I, I have worked with you for a long time and I have always heard you say, it's NFL preseason football. No one cares. Is that pretty so, much? Yeah, how I mean, much NFL preseason football have you watched in your adult life? Before you not, answer this question, not very much. No, that's what I'm saying. I, I I I almost took the high school scrimmage off and put watch paint dry on the wall, but I but I I didn't. I decided to go a different route to at least give you a viewing option. What are you going with? Uh, I mean, all three of those will help my insomnia. Uh, mm. I'll be a uh, yeah. Geez, I guess I want to watch Marcus Mariota. I guess it's preseason though. It's like Ben and I said. 
Am I going to get hyped because you went off against a vanilla defense? That's what I'm saying. Also, right? I mean, it's also like, for Marcus like, Mariota, is he playing? Is he playing? I mean, what if you I mean, you, I, mean I mean, BJ, I, I'm, I'm kind of. I wish you would have been here on Monday because reading Twitter, you would have thought Trayvon Walker was on a one-way ticket to Canton mm-hmm. after he got a sack. No, he's ready against the uh, against the. Raiders. He's gonna have 12 and a half sacks this year. You know who got the record for most sacks as a rookie? You know where he played at, don't you? That would be Javon Curse. Hasn't been broken since 99. And what did you have to do with that segment? I just what? What? <laughs> just say I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to me. And you never me. know. He no, might no, no, have no, actually given up no, a no, sack. No, no. I know. I'm just saying. Hold on a second. Did you? I appreciate all our listeners taking the time today. Did you ever give up a sack because Javon Curse? Did I give up? I never, I never, you know, I never played against the freak. Okay. I will say this, though. I'm just, and, I, and I'm only going. Anytime big and I'm only going off when I went up against him now, and not every play. I'm just messing with you. I never gave up a sack to the Marcus Ware when I had to go up against. Him. I said, I, "This is how I go." The black is. I said, "The truth, you got to stay in the block." Blue for the two blue. Throw it, throw the ball. Because I don't want to. Because the Marcus Ware, he do all this move around. So I mean, I've given up. I ain't given up a lot of sacks. In my usually, I should hopefully be out in the route. Like if I'm blocking and the passing downs, well, that's not good either. You, you know, you. Can, I mean, you can, I'll just ask you guys this. Has watching Jaguars or Falcons regular season football been good? No, because uh, do they, why, why do, this thing, why do they make bad teams play good teams? Let's do the battle of the bad teams. I, th- I thought Let we the bad were with Falcons each- and Lions. No, 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 when the, no, no, when the games count, why do they do this? We're the worst team in the league. How about I, you take the top? I know 10 some of teams? the guys didn't play, but like in the Jaguars' first game, I I didn't see. Oh yeah, it. Tra- Travis Etienne didn't play. Right, but but I, I got on play. my phone and checked the box score, and it was like midway through the third quarter, and the Jaguars had zero points. No, no, and Kevin, somehow no. they mounted up with the left. Yeah, Kevin was like, "How did they get eleven? <laughs> like of all the teams, like Jack." And I'm like, all I'm saying is right. Uh, Jerron Walker obviously got the sack, and all of a sudden he's on the highlight tape. I got these coaches breaking it down. As you can see, he longed on them, came underneath. I said, listen, is that Trent Williams? Because that's who he's going to go up against on Sunday, right? Yeah. And, and, and listen, I ain't mad at Jerron Walker. I wanted, I, wanted, I wanted to play well. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're the number one overall pick. They expect you to be play like an all-pro. I will say, and again, I saw this because we talked about the, the Jordan, Jordan Davis rep. He did come out and say, "Y'all need to calm down." It was one rep. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No, it's almost no. It's almost like I got. I wake up this morning. The first thing I see, over under, uh, six sacks. Lorenzo Carter. I said, "Well, for they sake, it better be way over six sacks, boy." That's all pro. Well, status. considering that's all pro. Status considering for the Falcons. considering nobody has more than two. Oh, oh, uh, BJ, oh my God! BJ, you weren't right. here when me and Kevin was going through all the sack numbers. <laughs> like for Ed, no, no, not named Grady Jarrett. Now I was like, it was like. Half a sack, second half, and and to show and listen, and just to show y'all that what Aaron Donald does is on another level, right? Quentin Williams, first round pick out of Alabama, he's going to year four. He has fifteen career sacks, fifteen. Aaron Donald's getting ready to have a hundred. I'm just telling y'all, people, we need to calm down. Quentin Williams, I would have be like Aaron Donald. I would have been like this, Quentin. What? Aaron Donald had twenty sacks in one season. Yeah, yeah, no, no, he had twenty sacks in one season. Lorenzo Carter. Lorenzo, go out there, you know, get 10 What does 10 sacks for the Falcons rank, Kevin? Oh, I'm just, put, him in the hall, put him in the Falcons ring of honor. I'm just saying. At this point. Boy, I'm, you, you get you're 10, smiling. I mean, you just, get 10 sacks in Atlanta, you can't even walk around right, the let's just, not, not that long ago, <laughs> not that long ago, Vic yeah. Beasley led the league in sacks. DJ, listen, okay, I'm just something. saying, we, we always act like that didn't that happen. Was, no, and, no, no, and what happened after no, that? No, here it is, here it is. No okay. consistency at all. No, no, okay, you're right. 
He had 14 half sacks, led the league. Boom, boom, boom. What happened after BJ? Okay, I'm not saying that. I'm no, just no. saying. No, no, BJ, no, 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 no. This is what it is. There's a certain college team that you root for, right? <laughs> no. If you had a player that balled the year before and he didn't ball the next year, you'd be like, oh my, what are you doing? All I'm saying is y'all are saying nobody has ever done. Vic Beasley, within recent memory, led the, that's all I'm saying. No, 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 we love Vic Beasley because we have to. We ain't, you know, ain't by choice. We, we love whoever played for the Falcons. All I'm saying is Lorenzo Carter is supposed to be the savior. He's going to year five on a one-year deal. I just tell the guys, come on, fellas, we got to dominate. Lorenzo, yeah, you got to do it first now. You got to go out there and dominate because Grady Jarrett is Jesse Tuckle's kid. What? Like, when did that, when we found that out? Dan Ugler <laughs> has the longest hitting streak in Braves history. It's crazy stuff that go on in pro sports in Atlanta, man. How the hell is that possible? So anybody got something said by Dan Ugler, he say, check the record books, and I'm going to check my bank account. 33 straight, baby. <laughs> All right, moving along. Oh, man. Field of Dreams game is tonight in MLB. It's the Cubs and the Reds. That should be a lot of fun. They're going to do the throwback unis, I think, like to the 1918 uh, type stuff. I mean, that to me has been one of the coolest things that I've seen happen with the league, trying to incorporate something into like a special venue and all of that. What else is left, though, as far as like unique sport? I mean, we've done basketball on aircraft carriers. We've, put, we've done football games in uh, NASCAR arenas. We've done all kinds. We've played hockey outside. Yeah, the, ho- what, the, the, what the, else the is hockey left? outside is kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, I was mesmerized by the college basketball game on the aircraft carrier. I think they might have played a couple of games, but I think mm-hmm. the one I watched was uh, North Carolina and Michigan State. Yep. And I'm like, this is on an aircraft carrier, <laughs> yeah, and, and I just and I, I just couldn't like process that in terms of just thinking about the logistics of it all. And, and you know, they were you know off the uh, fighter jet, yeah, right, banked in, nothing but net. and there were sailors there watching. You know, you had stands set up and all like that, and I, you, you know that was amazing. I don't know, I don't know. Good question. I mean, y'all have any ideas? Because to me, yeah, you ain't gonna like what I'm term, gonna say, but I'm gonna say it. In terms of playing it on an aircraft carrier, you don't, you don't like what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say well, it, go ahead. I mean, we've done everything but the longest yard. Um, a lot of players, you know, have been to jail. <laughs> what? That's what? What we got, have we? What? I mean, what, 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 what? Do we have a feel we could put in a prison somewhere? Is that what you're suggesting? You're saying we got some pretty athletic guys locked up. And uh, they was in the league. And, 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 you can do, and you can do it like this. Hold on, BJ. Hold BJ, on. your face. Hold on, hold on. And you can do it like this. Listen, listen. I'm just saying, if you've ever been locked up, right, to my prison now, not jail, you ever been locked up, you're the team that you – think about Hold on, hold on. Why you laughing? Hold on. Why y'all laughing? You know who the quarterback is? Who the quarterback for the team that, that's been to prison? Who do you think the quarterback is? That would be Vic. Who's the receiver? Plexico Burris. That team gonna be nasty now. I'm telling you, BJ. Guess, listen, listen. It's, uh, just, it's just an idea. I mean, hold on, hold on. Listen, 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 listen. I'm just look, look. If you, uh, uh, Michael Vick said this. He said, look, if you can't laugh at your pain, man, it stays that way. I'm just saying. We gonna if you've ever been to prison. Listen, we're not clowning you for going to prison. But if you've ever been to prison, you on the prison squad. What? I would, I would love to. Yeah, I'm waiting to you hear. Would, you would want to see? I'm waiting to hear what BJ no, thoughts are. No, look. Because you're just making a face. I'm like, just watching y'all, man. Okay, okay, okay. Because I, I I was trying to wait to say this. All right. No, because just 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 to break so up. So this is a game where 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 you take you take you take current players. No matter who those current players are, UFL, 
XFL, NFL, they want to play. And if you've ever been to prison, okay, if you've been there for a day, <laughs> you get to play against them. I don't them. know if they're going to okay. You know? What, did, what, so outside, I mean, is there anything new? I mean, that's at least an idea. <laughs> what? I guess. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen, but. No, no, because after you say this, I got I to say something I just saw, and, it, and it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to blow your mind. I mean, I'm 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 struggling for ideas. You know, you want ideas. the longest yard. If the longest yard really happened, you wouldn't want to see it. I mean, I think it would probably get high ratings. <laughs> I mean, and, 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 and what? Okay, 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 okay. What if they say if you've ever been locked up, the team you've ever been locked up in the NFL, you can play. You know how that team's gonna be loaded? Like that team, like 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 Chad Johnson, Alvin Kamara, Marshawn Lynch. Anybody want to do it? Marshawn Lynch locked locked up right now. He got locked last night. That's gotta go if you what? did. I'm just saying, like, Marshawn Lynch one time got locked up and had a football camp. Got out of jail and went straight to the camp. They said, "Why are you late?" I was locked up. He told him this. I'm what? <laughs> I'm just. This is what he said. But check this out. Hold on, hold on. Because I, I was waiting to do this just to break up the action a little bit. There has been an Antonio Brown sighting. Oh yeah, <laughs> Antonio Brown. Are you going to read his post? Yes. You oh, ain't seen is, this. Oh, you ain't special. seen this, BJ. Antonio Brown was asked. His biggest regret. This is Antonio Brown's biggest regret. And I saw it. It's he not said, made up. It's on his said, Twitter page right now. He said, my biggest regret in my career doesn't involve calling my GM. Can I even say that on there? The C word. Can I even say that? I don't even know how to say that. C-A-R-C. Okay, yeah, we get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Or showing, up the Raiders, or showing up to Raiders camp late in a hot air balloon with frozen feet. His feet were frozen. Or, th- or throwing <laughs> rocks. Or throwing rocks. At that UPS driver. <laughs> and it definitely doesn't involve taking my shirt off and doing a victory lap around the Jet Stadium mid-game while throwing up the deuces. My biggest regret is that I'll never get to see me, Antonio Brown, play a game live. <laughs> sure, I can watch the game afterwards, but I can't imagine what that was like for you all to see something like that, like watching the Beatles or Jesus perform at Red Rocks. <laughs> all I'm telling you is this. There is narcissism <laughs> and there is Antonio Brown. That is, I, I when I read that, when I, I was no, like, that, when that, I first that. saw this, everybody kept saying, "I thought this was a prank." No, this is real. It's on his actual. Twitter My page. biggest regret is that y'all won't get to see me play. <laughs> so your biggest regret is for us? Yes. My biggest regret that I won't get to see me. Like I'm like I'm like I'm out there watching me ball. Like boy, you balling. We killing it, ain't we? And I feel bad for them. I can't have an out-of-body experience and watch. <laughs> My biggest regret is that I won't get to see me. So when Tara Owens says, I love me some me, not more than Antonio Brown do. <laughs> How do you know? How do you know Tara Owens never said I want to watch myself play? And How do you know that? No, well, he ain't put out, he ain't put out a tweet. <laughs> I don't even know that's take three. I guess we'll talk about that when we come back. It's, it's three and out on the Southern Pixian Radio Network. Good to have you here on this Thursday, Kevin, BJ, and Ben. And we're also trying to figure out how we feel when we get to watch AB play. That is, I mean, that might be the best. I mean, I guess it gets everybody talking about some AB, I guess. Anybody. But uh, there are a few guys like Antonio Brown. There, there's nobody like Antonio Brown. My biggest regret is I didn't get to watch me play. The greatest, <laughs> I mean, the greatest, the greatest like, Hall of Fame speech of all time you, is when you, you get it done. You can in. go watch highlights of you playing. No, he said that. He said, oh, I can go watch the highlights. But, I mean, what it must feel like for you to, to watch to me see, live. To not get it, to yes. see, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, I, I, that's my biggest regret. His household, who, who, boy. 
The stuff that the stuff that is said at his house. I mean, Daddy, is- where you at? Who? <laughs> Daddy, where you at? Who? <laughs> Jesus, I'm here. <laughs> what do you want? I'm just saying. Would you call me? I mean, look, hey, confidence I- is a, confidence is a great trait to have. Overconfidence, hey, wow. My biggest regret is, man, I ain't, I ain't out there no more. No, but it's yeah. like Kevin said, it's it's that we don't get to see yes. that. Not and only that he doesn't get to see it, yeah, but we, also, we, we don't get to see the great. So when he's a walking press conference and people fall, passing out crying, like, oh, my God. Yeah, he, he, was, he was openly I mean, wondering what it might have been like for us to watch him. So basically, He doesn't know what that's like. Yeah. So what, his, his new book called what I, what, I Am the Real Michael Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, because I ain't... I'm telling y'all. And think about that. That is one guy. Listen, Mike Tomlin, at one point, at one point, right, had to coach this dude. And, <laughs> the, you know, and, and then his last game, he had on like a, a mink coat, right? And then they're like, what you doing, dude? What you doing? You ain't playing? You, you ain't playing it? No. So why aren't you wearing Pittsburgh Steelers gear? I got to wear Pittsburgh Steelers gear? Uh, yeah. <laughs> So when you're Tampa Bay, it's like, I'm done. <laughs> just yeah, yeah, then, then, then they go to Tampa. They say, A.B., you need to go back in. I can't go back in. Well, you know what? You done. You know what? I am done. <laughs> and, then, and then somebody go, whoa, 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 Threw it off. Did he take off. all his gear and get yeah, it and put it off. in the stands? Listen, listen. Took his gear off. <laughs> threw up the deuces. I'm but just, he doesn't regret that as much as not getting to watch himself. I know y'all think I regret throwing rocks at the UPS man. <laughs> I know y'all think I regret... Showing up to training camp in a hot air balloon late with frozen feet. No, it's not that. It's that y'all don't get to see me no more. <laughs> I must have missed that. What was the frozen feet? So he, he, he was doing. He was doing like. Um, he was. He was doing. Uh, he was doing like some type of like like uh like like therapy like 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 therapy like 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 cold ice or whatever. And his feet got like he had frostbite on his feet. He did. He had frostbite on his feet. So. But can't you imagine stuff. the scene though? Just, you're an Oakland, you're a you're a Raider on the field uh, practicing, and all of a sudden, y'all move! Cause a hot air balloon <laughs> just landed on the field, and Mike Mayock is like, dude, what the hell are you doing? He said, Who the hell are you talking to? I'm talking to you, AB. My name is Jesus. <laughs> what? I'm just saying, man. Like, think about this. You don't think all your egos matter? Tara Owens went from Tara Owens to T.O. Chad Johnson was Chad Johnson to Ocho. Ocho right? Cinco. Right. A- Ale- I mean, Antonio Brown with the AB. Somebody like, it's AB, dude. You, I ain't never seen nothing like you, dude. You you, you out of this world, bro, for real? Yeah, you out of this world. And somebody goes, hey, man, who he talking to? He talking to himself. Look, ain't nobody over there but him. Man, I haven't seen you anything like that since the Beatles. Or Jesus at Red I, Rocks. I mean, think about it. AB is like, it's, man, it's this dude, man. I ain't never seen nothing like him. Like, who you talking? I'm talking about me. What? Dude, like I mean, Jesus at at Red Rocks. <laughs> that's listen, listen. That's gonna be the greatest Hall of Fame speech all the time of all time. Whenever he get to go, is there, it? Oh, cause, cause they gonna say he gonna say A B A B. He gonna say. So does he need a, a introductory? Yeah, speaker he gonna come out and say. I'm gonna introduce say, myself. They gonna say from the Pittsburgh Steelers, from you know Antonio Brown. He gonna say, my name is Jesus. He's gonna introduce himself at the Hall of Fame. He's the artist formerly known as. So without further ado. Like to welcome myself. And you know he, and you know he a rapper too, so he had to, he, he a rapper. He? Yeah, he be saying he got a little dance, and everything. Are you showing me the video? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I, I ain't never seen nothing like it. I, and I and I, listen, 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 listen. And I'm gonna say this. I probably shouldn't say it. I probably shouldn't say it, but I'm saying it anyway. At, at one, at one at, listen, 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 listen. At one point, he said he had a song. 
He said, I'm not, I'm not dating any more white women. He said, I'm not messing with any more white women. <laughs> listen, listen, he did this. He had a video, nothing but white women. <laughs> he did. Antonio uh, Brown. Uh, listen, I love Antonio Brown because I ain't never seen a person that honest. Like, in his mind, he that dude. <laughs> Apparently. He went, to a, he went to a game one time. He had a mask on his face like Kanye and wasn't talking to nobody. Yeah, you should like him. I'm, te- I'm mean, telling you. Just... He's... Listen, Antonio, we gotta take a break. Antonio Brown. Let's see if we can make it. Not seeing him again yes. live. Antonio Brown, well, he's a great, great player. You deserve whatever you get. I mean, this show was going money. great until I realized that I come on wasn't gonna get to watch oh Antonio God, Brown look, play. Look at me, look at me on this thing. <laughs> I don't even know what y'all see, but when I look at me, <laughs> <laughs> we got more to come. We'll come back. Jay Hurst, respect our decision podcast. He's joining us next. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, glad you're making us a part of your day. A lot to get to you on the show. Matt Smith, Gaurav Vidak will join us uh, coming up. Okay. Uh, will come up, join us coming up in the final hour of the program. But uh, a lot of recruiting news out there and uh, looking around uh, the uh, the southeast. Uh, Jay Hirsch from the Respect Our Decision uh, Gators Recruiting Podcast. He joins us here on 3 and Out. Jay, welcome to the show. How are you? Doing very good, man. How are y'all? We're doing fantastic. Uh, Billy Napier obviously comes in. You're in a, a hotbed of recruiting with Georgia, Alabama, uh, and some of the teams you're trying to catch. How's uh, Billy Napier kind of handled uh, that recruiting process uh, from the jump? Uh, he's done super well. He's really, really focused in on the state of Florida, which has been an issue under the previous staff. I mean, we're up to 17 commits, number 13 in the country in the composite. And, and have really hit on the footprint of, of staying close to home. It was announced that uh, Florida and Georgia are going to be able to bring recruits to Jacksonville for that annual contest. To all of us on the show, that makes a lot of sense. Seems like it was a, a simple thing, probably should have been done uh, a while ago. Do you think that makes sense and is uh, logical and, and, and uh, a good thing for both teams moving forward? Yeah, I think it's a it's a good idea. Um, coaches aren't you know supposed to have contact with the recruits there at the game, but it's it's good for these recruits that are considering both schools to see the atmosphere that you know that game brings, and you know it's just a really good all around atmosphere for for recruits to see and to know that they could be a part of. I mean, Jay, when you think about a guy like Billy Napier, you mentioned, I mean, he's finding, he's finding a way to go out there and kind of like he said he want to put a kind of like a fence around the state of Florida to be able to keep those guys right there in his back door, you know, you know, uh, coming to Florida. Get a big, uh, get a big uh, commit yesterday. Talk about just the fact that, you know, him being an unnamed, not, the, not a big-name guy yet, but being able to say, look, I'm not here to go. I'm not here to worry about what Dan Mullen did or didn't do. He knows that the lifeblood of this pro- program is going to be recruiting, and he seems to be getting it done right now. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, this is a man that worked under Dabo Sweeney and under Nick Saban. He understands what it takes to get it done to win big boy football in the SEC and, you know, to get to the national championship. He knows what kind of recruiting hotbed the South is, and he knows that if he takes care of of these kids, you know, here around the school in the state of Florida and the South here and locks that down, he's going to have enough talent if he gets, you know, Get the right kids in here. He'll have the talent to compete. 
Uh, Jay, a lot of people have spent time talking about NIL and, and, and recruiting and what it's supposed to be and not supposed to be. How much have you seen just when you hear from recruits, how much of that does it even play a factor in this kind of new age of the recruiting process? Uh, it's It's been a mixed bag. I'd say kind of a 50-50. You still hear a lot of kids say education of the school matters and location obviously always matters, but you know, there's there's been a lot of uh, public situations for some of these top recruits where where Neil has absolutely played a huge factor, and it can't be denied. I mean, and it's just you're seeing it every day. You're seeing people talk publicly about it, like uh, John Ruiz down in Miami has has been very public about it, and some of the uh, kids, like the quarterback at Tennessee, was got a very publicized deal. I mean. It plays a factor, there's no doubt about it. But once you get under those top 100, 200 kids, you know, a lot of those kids are just looking for the best fit for them. How, how do you think Florida feels right now about recruiting head-to-head with Georgia? Georgia, of course, the defending national champion, but also, you know, Kirby Smart, a lot of that is started by having the top-ranked or the second-ranked or the third-ranked class uh, just about every year in recruiting. Does Florida feel like with Billy Napier and this staff, they are closing that gap in terms of recruiting head-to-head with maybe their biggest rival. I feel like they they have to feel positive with the start that they've gotten. Um, Obviously, they have, you know, we've got a lot of gap to close still there. And with the outside of a couple of the coaches on this staff that Billy's assembled, most of this coaching staff wasn't recruiting a lot of these kids that they're going head-to-head with Georgia with eight, nine months ago. So he's definitely got to build some, some real solid relationships if he really wants to close that gap, closing out the rest of this recruiting cycle and going forward into 2024. Jay, having guys like Kerry Colbert, which you know most receivers want to get coached by him. Corey Raymond is the premier DB coach in the country. Having guys like that on your staff who you look around the type of guys they've either played with, played against, or coached, how much did that make the recruiting trail much easier? Because, listen, yeah, you got to recruit against the Georgias. You got to recruit against the Alabamas. You got to recruit against the Clemson, Ohio States. But sometimes these position coaches help you get a player better than the school can. Absolutely. I couldn't have said that better myself. Um, Corey Raymond recruits. I mean, his name alone recruits. And you've heard many kids say that, that as long as Corey Raymond's at Florida, They'll be in consideration. And the number one cornerback recruit in the country, obviously, Cormani McLean is from Florida. And, and the reason he was a Florida fan growing up, but Corey Raymond being in the house helps just so much more. And um, speaking on, on Coach Colbert, I mean, we had Justin Shorter on our show a week or so ago, and, and he just raved about Coach Colbert and how much he brought to the table. And, and you've seen his development with the receivers he's put in the NFL the last couple of years. And so, and with that's already been the highlight of our recruiting classes, just the five solid receivers that we've already gotten. So you're already seeing the dividends being played out there. Jay, when it comes to like recruiting these days, every single thing goes viral. You know, you, it's bigger, it's bigger than who your school gets. It's, who your school didn't get. The trolling is at an all time high. Like I, I see it. I do by, you know, I do my best to not press in. I be having my 270 characters ready to go, but I let you guys do it. What's funner, watching your team 
get the school, get the player that you coveted, or watching your rival school not get the player that they coveted? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, trolling has definitely hit an all-time high on social media, and sadly enough, I think the joke has become, you know, some guys would rather get recruits to troll than they would to be satisfied with the improvement of their team, but I think it's always best to see your team get the guy that you're after to say, we got him and you didn't, than it is to see the other team miss. I mean, you you got to worry about your own team when it comes down to it. Jay Hurst, Respect Our Decision podcast, focusing on the, uh, the Florida Gators there. Jay, we appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Glad to be on. And we appreciate it. Jay, uh, joy is here. And again, Georgia and Florida both can have recruits at the Georgia and Florida or the Florida-Georgia game, however you want to say it. I'm not here to fight that battle. Uh, <laughs> the game in Jacksonville, uh, at least in the way of giving them tickets to the game. I don't know if they're going to be on the sideline, but they can at least come uh, to the game. Uh, I mean, uh, this seems like something that was blown way out of proportion that should have never been a huge deal. Yeah, I agree. We talked about it yesterday. Uh, I think this makes sense. This is a fixed part of going to Florida, going to Georgia. It's a big part of going to Florida, going to Georgia. I mean, Ben, you're in the Florida-Georgia Hall of Fame. I know you've talked at length about how much the game means to you and those experiences and that atmosphere and just the rivalry. So I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that was an easy decision. Uh, I, I, I want to ask you, Ben, I, I, how close do you think that, that, that gap is getting? I mean, clearly, you can look at the rankings – Florida's on the rise with with what they've done recruiting-wise. Billy Napier, that staff, uh, this is a really good group, and their message is resonating with a lot of student-athletes. How much further do they have to go? I'm not saying to surpass Georgia, Mm -hmm. but to be able to compete consistently head-to-head with a program like Georgia. I mean, BJ, in my my opinion, it's what happens in Jacksonville because all that other stuff really doesn't matter. Like Kirby Smart – like, they asked Kirby Smart about Dan Lanning. He goes, I'm not worried about Dan Lanning. I wish him the best going to Oregon. They asked Kirby Smart, hey, man, how you feel about Sam Pittman? I'm not worried about Sam Pittman. And that's wishing him the best going to Arkansas. If Mel Tucker in, Miss, in uh, Michigan State was playing Joey, like, I'm not worried about Mel. The thing is, that's all Georgia used to do. Worry about Florida. They don't worry about Florida no more. They don't. When I was there, it was the mind thing and all these other stuff that had nothing to do with the game. It's about what happens in Jacksonville. Your product is better when you put your product against another product. Put them boys from, from Florida up against them boys from Georgia and see what happens because bragging rights is all you need in recruiting. Because if a Georgia guy, if, a, if it comes down to Florida, Georgia for a kid, they're going to say, and they're asking, you know, Billy Napier, man, what about, what about, you know, beating Georgia? All he can say is, well, see, you know, well, talk to me after last weekend in October. Because that's what Kirby Smart don't have to worry about no more. I'm sorry, we was the last team standing. We beat Alabama. Florida almost beat Alabama twice. It's the championship game and the regular season. So I think that for, for the, the gap has to be closed with what happens on the field. Look, I didn't know how big the rivalry was, Florida George, when I got there. But them Florida boys, George boy, you tell me, we ain't losing them boys, Matthew. That don't happen. Like they'll say, I don't care what happens, we ain't losing. When I met Nolan Smith, when he came out dang, already four years ago now, oh, time goes by fast, I said, what did Kirby Smart tell you when he recruited you? He said, to keep your job, right, you have to beat Florida, right? He said, to get extensions, yeah, you have to beat Florida. He said, to become a legend, you have to beat Florida. I said, what about the rest of them? He said, what about them? He said, if we can beat them, we can beat anybody. That's, you know, that's, and that's four years ago. So it's like they understand what it is, but B.J., Kevin, you know just like I know. 
I didn't really want to talk about the game last year because it wasn't much to talk about. <laughs> like, it, it's just not. And if you don't look good against the best team in your division, it doesn't matter. what else. Whatever else you do is cool. But they're going to say, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, y'all beat them and beat them. But what about the barometer? Oh, well, that's different. So we'll see, you know, come this October. But uh, if the game looked like it did last year, my phone does not work. Don't text me. <laughs> uh, you know, because it it's rough, man. It's hard to deal with. We got more to come. Some recruiting news out of uh, Coastal Georgia breaking this afternoon. We'll get to that when we return. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back. A lot of recruiting news uh, out there as we count down towards college football. Some right here out of Coastal Georgia. Jenkins, defensive lineman Tavion Gass, who had offers from Georgia and Florida State. Notice committed to Florida State uh, this afternoon. So, uh, big-time player there for Jenkins, committing to Florida State. And uh, he is a senior this year, playing, getting ready for his last uh, season of high school football there for Jenkins. So uh, that announcement earlier this afternoon, congratulations to that young man. And a very talented student athlete who I believe has some versatility as a, a defensive lineman. But, yes, congratulations to that young man and his family, Ben. I know you always say when we talk about recruiting, years of hard work, uh, 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 obviously, you know, just, just grinding to get to the point where you get these opportunities Hard work uh, on the field, in the classroom, in the community, and uh, to get get an opportunity to go to a school like a Georgia or a Florida State or the other offers he had. Uh, congratulations! Picks the Seminoles and uh, has a big senior season coming up there uh, for Jenkins as uh, one of the team leaders. But I believe committed what around uh, three o'clock or so, uh, mid afternoon, two o'clock, so, two o'clock yeah. early afternoon uh, today, and uh, committed committed to Florida State. So. Congratulations uh, to Tavion. Yeah, big congratulations to Tavion because the thing about it is, too, I mean, when people be talking about going to places like Florida State, uh, for those who say, oh, he picked Florida State over Georgia, no, he picked Florida State because he had options to pick Florida State. Like, you didn't, I didn't pick somebody over somebody else. I want to pick the school of my choice. And it's still a very, very unique thing. 25 guys are going to sign each year. 25. Right? And the grant, so congratulations to him. Tavion, you do not know me, sir, but any and everybody you can remember to say thank you to. It's, it takes a village, especially with something like that. So, congratulations. We got a busy final hour coming up. Matt Smith, SouthernPigskin.com. We're talking SEC football with him. Also, Gorov Vidak. We're talking about Vaughn Grissom and a wonderful debut. Uh, he will join us coming up in the final hour of the program as well. Plenty to get to here on 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Hit us up on Twitter, at Pigskin Radio. Also streaming live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Final hour of three and out. Glad you're with us on this Thursday. Plenty to get to. We'll hear from Gorav Vidak. We'll talk of Braves baseball. Big win last night. Big debut by Vaughn Grissom uh, last night for the Atlanta Braves. We'll get to that. But the countdown is on. Our next guest knows the minutes, the seconds, until that opening kick. And maybe one of the few that is actually awaiting Vandy at Hawaii on that uh, week zero Saturday. Matt Smith, SouthernPigskin.com, joins us. Matt, welcome. How are you? Hey, guys. Uh, I will probably see the end of Vandy, Hawaii, but I will probably take a nap at some point in the second quarter. That would be my guess for how that plays out in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I'm old. I'm officially old, so uh, staying up till 1 o'clock is, is not often in the cards. Hey, we certainly understand that, uh, Matt, to say the least. But Georgia, first time in 40 years defending national champs. They lost a lot to the, the National Football League, but you still have Stetson Bennett, who guided you to a national championship game. I mean, are we... Thinking, uh, you know, if Georgia gets past Oregon with some new guys playing, are uh, we looking at 12 and 0 going into the postseason? Is that the expectation? Uh, I think that has to be the expectation, and I think the difference this year will probably be that offense did not have to win any games for them outside of the two Alabama games. Uh, they couldn't do it in, in the first one, and in the fourth quarter of the second one, they obviously were were brilliant. 
and finally got that elusive national title. But I think the difference is, is this year at some point, I don't know when it'll be, it could be right out of the gate against Oregon. That's a pretty good team. They know Bo Nix pretty well, but that's a decent quarterback with some good talent. Uh, maybe it's Tennessee, maybe it's Florida, maybe it's Auburn again. Um, one of those teams is going to score, you know, in the low to mid-20s, let's say, and put some pressure on that offense that we didn't see last year at all again against anybody but Alabama. So Stetson Bennett, when he had two last year in the championship game, he was fantastic. But I think we'll see that at some point in the regular season where they'll get in a battle where they need to win a, you know, a 27-24 type game at some point. They'll hold most of these teams to, you know, 14-17 and be fine. But we will see that at some point during the season. If it's in a hostile environment somewhere, you know, maybe it's on the road late against Mississippi State, against Kentucky. I'm skeptical either of those two offenses can ever have success against the Georgia defense, but I could be wrong. And when they get in that situation, can Bennett do it, do it again, or will they suffer that first regular season loss since 2020? I don't know. Um, I think they do go 12-0, and but I, I wouldn't necessarily bet on it. It's just so hard to repeat in this sport, as we've seen. The only reason why only one team's done it in the BCS and CFP era so uh, we'll see, but I do think there will be a situation, unlike last year during the regular season, where that offense will probably have to come up with the drive or win the game for the Bulldogs. Georgia defensively last year, Matt, one of the best defenses in college football history, modern college football history at the very least. You lose a lot of talent, but you bring a lot of guys back. Uh, what are your expectations for just how dominant this defense will be in 2022? Yeah, historically great defense, and I think we'll see more of the same against the teams they've kind of dominated in the past. I always point back to Kentucky, and I think everyone's looking at that game. It's probably Georgia's toughest road game, at least. And I, I just don't see it from what I've seen the past three or four years, even with some of the changes they made offensively. I think Georgia holds offenses like that down, even with all the turnover and the new faces they'll have this year. So, Obviously, coming off a historically great season statistically, I don't think you're going to see those numbers repeat, but there's still plenty of talent. Kirby heading into year seven now obviously has stockpiled the town. He's ready for this, but there's going to be some growing pains. That's natural. You couldn't watch the first round of the NFL draft and think, boy, this unit's going to come right back and pick up where they left off in January. That's just not possible, even with some experienced guys. You know, Christopher Smith back, of course, Nolan Smith, Jalen Carter, a chance to be a probably a first half of the first round pick in next year's draft. But, you know, I just think there, naturally there has to be a slide back, but I could see them holding teams to, you know, 13, 14, 15 points per game. I think they finished right around 10 last year, so we'll see a slip back, but still a decent chance this could be the best defense in the SEC again, given they'll probably face a few worse offenses than we'll see across the division at Alabama. I mean, Matt, you see what uh, Billy Napier is doing on the recruiting trail, trying to make sure he stockpile, kind of similar to what you said, what Kirby Smart does year in and year out, but – you know, Anthony Richardson, going to be the starter, going to be the guy, going to have a running game to complement what he does athletically. But the, 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 the uh, beginning of this schedule is rough. I mean, starting out with Utah, you know, and Kentucky and company, if Florida can find a way to, I don't know, go 2-2, two and two, maybe even a 3-1 and one these first four games, what type of season do you think that can kind of help them potentially steamroll? Because obviously Texas A&M and Georgia and LSU are still coming down the pike. Yeah, I've, I've waffled a lot, Ben, on Florida this year, both in terms of, you know, kind of their final record projection and how their season plays out in terms of do they start fast and then ease up um, in the back half of the year or does with the new staff they need to, will they start slow and then pick it up late in the year? I could see both sides. The, the argument for a fast start and maybe cooling off down the stretch is they just don't have great depth right now. Dan Mullen, of course, he brought in some decent players, but depth-wise I think they could – that could really show late in the season, especially with that rugged September they have to deal with. So 
maybe there is a shot they start as good as, you know, I don't know, five and one. And then when they run into that meet of that schedule, LSU, Georgia, A&M, maybe that's when they take their lumps. Or again, does AR-15 need a, some time to, to work? Obviously, I saw a little bit of him last year, but you know, with injuries and rotating with Emory Jones, I'm not sure what he is. I don't really have a hot take on Richardson yet. I'm looking forward to watching him in those three big September games. Obviously, the talent is there. Those, those way too early NFL draft ratings where he's in the first round, those are those are real. The NFL does like him. Those aren't just some guy, um, you know, pulling names out of a hat. There's Usually these guys are pretty well sourced, and I think with him and Will Levis, the NFL really likes those guys. So as surprised as I was to see those names there, I think that's real, real legitimate. We saw flashes of that last year when we got to see Richardson. So that's what intriguing to me is, but I've struggled with them in terms of do they start fast and then cool off, or is there a chance that they're three and three and then kick it into high gear and, you know, give Georgia and A&M scares late in the season. I'm tempted to go with the former. That's how I have the season playing out where they do start out five and one. I think I've been losing to Utah and then pulling some, some mild upsets, I would say, against Kentucky and Tennessee. But I think the back half of the year, I just have some concerns depth-wise across too many units where I think that comes back to bite them when they run into some more talented teams like LSU, Georgia, and A&M. But a fascinating team. They're definitely turning in the right direction. Huge Billy Napier fan. And uh, probably one of the more interesting teams, I think, going into this SEC season. You mentioned Richardson. Do you kind of give him the benefit of the doubt on the talent because Billy Napier uh, is the quarterback and what he was able to do with some guys at QB there in, uh, in Louisiana? I don't think so, just because Dan Mullen figures out how to win with every quarterback. And I know there were injuries last year and a lot of extenuating circumstances with the 2021 Gators, but given things didn't really work out so well last year, I need to see it first. But again, with that September schedule, we'll, we'll know quickly. Those are all, at least the first two teams, Utah and Kentucky, those are tough defenses. If he can hold up and move the ball and sustain drives against those units, he'll be fine against probably pretty much anybody but Georgia the rest of the season. So, no, again, I just don't have a hot take on Richardson. I just don't think I saw enough of him last year between that and the new staff coming in. I really don't know what to expect from him at all. But, again, a fascinating player given the talent he certainly has. Is, is Georgia's kind of so far and away the number one that it's almost kind of a non-consequential question in terms of who's number two? No, I, I think they're all pretty close. And I think schematically, I would think Tennessee has the best chance to challenge Georgia head-to-head. Um, probably given that, plus they get both Kentucky and Florida at home, you would probably give the nod to them to finish second. But I think all those three teams, while different, are pretty equivalent across the board. And it might come down to you know who has the, the easier cross-division games on paper. That's Kentucky. But again, they got to go on the road to Gainesville, got to go to Knoxville. So putting all those factors together... I'd throw them all in a hat. I think they're all probably going to be either 4-4 four and four or 5-3, and three, and conference play would be my guess. But all interesting teams for, for a variety of reasons. For Tennessee, it, it's, they kind of followed the Ole Miss blueprint a year behind, where in year one for Heupel, they were super exciting, were fun to watch again, kind of like Ole Miss in 2020, but the defense just wasn't good enough for them to, to win against quality opponents. Then we saw last year with Ole Miss, that defense went from bad to average, slightly above average, had a really good senior quarterback, and they were able to produce a 10-win season and get to the Sugar Bowl. I think that's, again, the blueprint for Tennessee in year two for Heupel, is can that defense become average or slightly above average? You got the quarterback. You know, you know this offense is going to score. And they might get lucky with what I think is going to be a lot of carnage in the SEC West, where we might not see a team besides Alabama go better than 9-3. and three. And if that happens, and if both Alabama and Georgia end up in the playoff, 
you could see a, a nine and three Tennessee team in the Sugar Bowl, and then finally we could say after all the jokes over the last ten or fifteen years, the balls are back. Uh, I'm sure Ben's super excited about that. But uh, again, back to your original question, BJ, I don't see a whole lot of separation there. I look forward to that round robin between Kentucky, Florida, and Tennessee, but I don't see any of them challenging Georgia at all. I mean, Matt, uh, Stetson Bennett, Hendon, Hendon Hooker, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson. I mean. The SEC East quarterback, and I mean, you got stars, you know, top to bottom. Where do you rank uh, Anthony Richardson? Because as as you mentioned, Stetson Bennett, he's proven. I mean, not just from what he did last year winning the national championship, he's surrounded by stars. And I'm talking five stars all in the quarterback room. He's better than the ones that got there before him. He's better than the ones that just, that, that just got there now. Anthony Richardson by far has the most talented as far as, like, what he can and can't do. But where do you rank him? Because, like you said, when you're that talented – and you can't necessarily show it off every single play. Can he do the normal things? And then, you know, as I like to call it, you know, uh, you know, uh, pull back that cape, pull out that cape when he needs to. Yeah, I think there's a, a number of high variance quarterbacks throughout. You got thinking of Richardson, thinking of Spencer Rattler, who had that great 2020 at Oklahoma, headed into the last season as maybe the favorite to win the Heisman, and the bottom fell out. Now he's in South Carolina starting over. I don't know what to expect from that from him. I don't know what to expect from Richardson. Um, probably a guy like Jaden Daniels, who I think will be the starter at LSU. We'll see how that goes with Brian Kelly in, in the, the first year there. But, yeah, a high-variance player to say the least. And the SEC East as a whole probably is in a bit better shape uh, at quarterback than the SEC West. You know, Young certainly is the best in the league, and I, I love KJ Jefferson. But some of those other teams, Auburn, we don't know what they have, Ole Miss, LSU, Texas A&M, I think you got more – Stability in the East, particularly if guys like Richardson and Rattler play closer toward that ceiling than towards their floor. You have a good guy in Hooker, of course. You have a good guy in Levis. Have a grizzled veteran, Allen Stetson Bennett. So I think quarterback-wise, the SEC East is in good shape. And again, if Rattler and Richardson play up to their talent levels, up to their capabilities, that could be a stronger quarterback division than the mighty SEC West, I think, this season. Matt, you joked earlier Tennessee is back before we let you go. Uh, we, we talked about this ironically earlier on the show and what it's going to take for them to uh, to hop up against Georgia, Florida, and Alabama the last 15 years. Tennessee is 6-39. and 39. How do you reverse that trend, uh, and, and where are they in terms of turning the tide on that where obviously Georgia and Alabama, you're talking about having to have the ability to knock off one of the top uh, two or three teams in the country. Right, and... and- I think that's probably a year away. If they got Georgia and Knoxville, I'd give them a puncher's chance. They do get Alabama at home, but I think most. I think we're all playing for second this year, honestly, in terms of both the SEC and the country with what Alabama has. So I don't think this is the year for them to do that. But I think they can go nine and one in their other ten games. I don't. I don't think the defense is quite good enough where they won't have a letdown against either Kentucky or Pitt or Florida or LSU. But I think the goal in those four games, which I think are going to be the key swing games for them, where they could go anywhere from a horrible 6-6 six and six year to a, a wonderful 10-2 and two year, uh, go 3-1 and one in those four. And again, at 9-3, and three, I think you got a decent shot to be in the Sugar Bowl. So, again, going back to the Ole Miss analogy, it's just seeing that defense take some strides, get more to a you know top 60 defense. They were pretty bad last year. So make those incremental strides, not going to be a great unit by any means. But if they can do that, complement that with a very good quarterback and an hooker, an offense that's going to score and challenge pretty much any defense they can play. I think for the first time in a while, by the time we get to Thanksgiving weekend, Tennessee fans will look back and say, wow, that was a, that was a really fun season. This is a really good team. Maybe they get that big party at the end of the year in New Orleans they've been waiting so long for. Matt Smith, southernpigskin.com. We are counting down 
the days, Matt. It'll be here before we know it. We appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. You bet, guys. Always fun. Talk to you soon. Matt Smith, southernpigskin.com, joining us here on 3 and Out. We'll switch gears. Gaurav Vidak going to talk to us next uh, from Battery Power and SB Nation. Braves and Vaughn Grissom making a debut to remember. We'll talk about it next. It's 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good day. Here is 3 and Out. Dancing our way back in uh, to the show. Braves are the big one uh, last night over the Red Sox. Get the two-game sweep. Our next guest has been the, the soothsayer, the purveyor of what is to come with the Braves and their, and their prospects, Michael Harris. He told us that, guys, it's going to happen. Now Vaughn Grissom comes up, hits one out of the uh, entire uh, park at Fenway last night. Gaurav Vidak, SP Nation, Battery Power, joins us here on 3 and Out. Uh, Gaurav, welcome. How are you, man? I'm doing wonderful. Uh, how about you guys? Hey, we are doing fantastic. Braves win last night. Vaughn Grissom, uh, I know you've talked about uh, the prospects the Braves have seen go to other places, but the Michael Harris's, Vaughn Grissom, what can you tell folks, other than what they saw last night, what do you expect from this kid who normally, when you say, has less than 100 plate appearances at AA, may not be ready, but didn't look too big for a big of a moment for him last night? The great thing about last night is, is kind of a thing to see uh, for the future. Vaughn Grissom has outstanding bat-to-ball skills. He will make contact. He knows that strike zone like the back of his hand. He won't strike out too much. He will walk at a good rate. The only thing that we haven't really seen in the minors outside of this season has been his ability to hit for power, but that's starting to happen. You saw him hit it outside Fenway last night, showing off that, uh, uh, showing off his, his raw power. I, I foresee, you know, maybe 18 to, to 24. That's kind of where I see him peaking uh, in terms of power production per, per year. I do assume or predict he will move over to, to left field most likely, uh, especially when Ozzy comes back. I mean, you have the potential for Vaughn to take over in left field for Ozuna. You're able to then put Rosario and Grossman over in the DH. It provides this lineup with a ton of flexibility. It allows them to really take someone like Ozuna who has not been performing and have him sit on the bench for a little bit, maybe get out of his own head, see what he can potentially uh, contribute at the end of the season, potentially playoff. Uh, Vaughn Grissom is here. I don't foresee him going anywhere anytime soon. I think he's going to be uh, – I, I personally think he's going to be the starting left fielder in 2023. And that versatility, I mean, how much does that help you when you, when you come up? Uh, a, a guy that can potentially play either of the middle infield spots, of course, was great last night. What a special moment. Uh, but could maybe even DH, depending upon the circumstances, like you just said. Uh, Kevin had mentioned that, too, playing left field. Uh, how much more value does it give you as a young player when you can do not one thing well, but multiple things well and play multiple different positions? It just gives you the opportunity to get out on that field. With a team as stacked as the Braves are in position players, if you're only able capable of playing one, one real spot, and it's not a position of need because the Braves have obvi- have Ozzy Albies locked up for quite some time. He wouldn't play if it wasn't for Ozzy getting injured, if it wasn't for Arcia getting injured. But now that he's here, as long as he produces, they're going to be flexible. They're going to find ways to get his bat into the lineup. It gives him the opportunity to not just be a stopgap, but potentially be here for the rest of the season and essentially start his major league career yesterday. 
Gorf, when you think about a, you know a situation like last night, you got a guy like Von Grisham. Yes, we we because of you know Michael Harris, because of Austin Riley. You <clears throat> mean everybody expect these uh, guys to come up and just be ready to go. But the culture, I always go back to the culture of the Braves. The culture of the Braves. Last night was a big night for him. Obviously, he wants to go out and perform. Obviously, if it's any, if if the rest of these games, the rest of the is any indication of what he showed last night, look out, Braves fans. But talk about how a guy that's under that much pressure to go out there and perform can still kind of be himself and not have to worry about being the guy because there's so many guys around him to pick him up. It's that exact thing. The expectation is just there for him to do the, the bare minimum, to be average. Being average is such a huge advantage for the Braves right now. Uh, again, you talked about the culture. I talked about this yesterday or actually this morning. It speaks to the absolute value of the culture that Brian Snicker has developed, that he has really taken to heart and is put onto the Braves' uh, dugout. You see them having fun. We just saw the Braves lose four out of five to the Mets. You know, a series that was extremely critical. They didn't perform. So how do they respond? They immediately come back and take two up from Boston before taking on the Marlins. It's the type of culture that, you know, in a, in a long 162-game uh, season, you're going to have your ebbs and flows. You're going to have your, you know, your four, your one and four stretches against the Mets. It's going to happen. But be able to, to be able to bounce back immediately, and not only that, take on someone new, 21-year-old. We now have two of the youngest players in all of baseball on one roster playing meaningful games, and that speaks volumes to the job that Brian Snicker has done that, to, to create the, a, a clubhouse culture that is welcoming, that people want to be a part of, and that people feel welcome as soon as they enter the, the lineup. Uh, Gorov, I know you spent a lot of time looking at the Braves prospects and what they have in the system and we've just seen uh guys getting picked left and right uh either via trade or being called up to the major leagues uh with what alex anthopoulos has done is that kind of the genius of how he's been able to structure i saw somebody say the braves have locked up all these players and at no point will any of these guys be making over 22 million dollars in one single season you don't really need your farm system for much after that if you've got your starting eight locked up on long-term deals and or team control at that point. Yeah, it's actually funny you say that. I actually uh, I realized something yesterday. Uh, the lineup yesterday, I had covered eight out of the ten players uh, since their rookie ball season. It's, it just speaks to the job that the, that the scouting department has done to be able to draft these guys the development uh, in the system itself to be able to produce these caliber of players. Again, the farm system is kind of, unfortunately, it's a little barren, especially when it comes to positional prospects. Most of the next big wave are, you know, 17, 18-year-olds. Um, but that's okay. Like you said, uh, they, don't have to, they don't have to produce right now. You have an 8- to 10-year window where a majority of your positional players have already been locked up and you know what you're getting from them. So it really, again, it's, I know that the big quote from Alex Anthopoulos a couple of years ago was financial flexibility, but now you're entering this era where you have young talent that is relatively cheap, all things considered, and uh, a lot of money coming out for payroll. It gives Alex a ton of flexibility. You could see this Braves team over the next two, two to three off-seasons really solidify themselves as a team to reckon with for whew, a decade maybe which is just crazy to think about. In terms of the finish to the regular season, 50 games, whatever it is, wherever we are, uh, how do you see things where the Braves currently sit? Do you feel like the East, especially given what just happened, is maybe 
a bit out of reach? Do you feel like they feel comfortably uh, uh, atop the wild card? I mean, where do you, how do you kind of assess the Braves as a postseason team right now? Uh, right now, I, I would love to see them. Well, the losing of Ian Anderson and him just not performing was a huge was a huge issue. Uh, it really, really depends on how Joe Odorizzi uh, kind of solidifies that bullpen while they figure out what's wrong with Ian. Uh, if Jake is Jake of this year, I mean, I like the chances of the Braves potentially repeating for a World Series. As it pertains to the division, until... <laughs> This may sound mean, but until the New York Mets give me, you know, a, a reason to believe that they won't collapse, I still believe the Braves are going to be winning the division. So, so go off, just say, okay, all things considered, if everything goes right, Isaac comes back, they find a way to keep, you know, Von Grisham in the, in, uh, you know, in the lineup, they find a way to get Marcel Ozuna as far away from left field <laughs> as humanly possible, and they do go back to the World Series, and they do the unthinkable. They do what never happens in sports anymore. They repeat. With all things considered, Alex Anthopoulos and Snit, where does Snit rank? Because I know it's all about Bobby Cox. I get it. But if he gives you two back-to-back, what are people going to be saying about Snit then? Titles win everything. You win a pair of titles, you become the best ever. I think if if they're able to win two over however long Snicker's is going to stay, he, he becomes the greatest manager in Braves franchise history. And I already, I've already put on the record, uh, like last month, I believe Alex Anthopoulos is the greatest GM in the history of the franchise as well. And I'm saying something with John Scherholz, obviously, uh, that has been out there. Gura, finally, as you, you look at it, I, we always like to end on a high note, but I'm going to depress everybody here. Ben mentioned it. When you look out at the Marcelo Zuna situation, is he... I, I, Obviously, he's not performing other than hitting home runs occasionally. Is he an albatross because he makes so much money that the Braves can't get rid of him? I mean, when you talk about all this financial flexibility, does he stand in the way of any of that because of what he's not doing and because he really can't play in the field anymore? Yeah, it really comes down to that. Ozuna's kind of unplayable. I I know that there was a rumor that Anthopolis was potentially looking at a straight-up trade with the Marlins for Avisal. Avi Saul Garcia, another player that has really underperformed for the Marlins. He was he got considerable money uh, coming into, I believe, uh, 2020. Not not too much, but you know, it's kind of a, a swap of bad contracts. Uh, I, I I see because again, you have I think it's like close to 70 million coming off the books at the end of this year. If Ozuna does not go absolute, does not have an absolute hot streak, you know, to end the season into the playoffs. I think there's a really good chance that the Braves cut ties with him. I mean, he, he can't play left field. Uh, just quite frankly, he's, he's pretty bad at left field. And right now he's performing well below major league average. So if you can't do either one of those things, you don't belong on a major league roster. Uh, the money is going to be a tough pill to swallow for Anthopolis. But coming into it, he's a negative effect on the team. And I, I just – I don't foresee a, a long-term future with him in the organization anymore. Gaurav Vidak Braves with an off night, and then they get ready for four games in three days with Miami. Gaurav, always a pleasure. Uh, my friend, we'll talk soon. Thanks much. Thanks for having me, guys. Back here with you on 3 and Out, BJ Bennett alongside Ben Troop. Kevin had to leave a little bit early today. He's got a birthday in the family. Yep. Happy birthday to his son, yep. Eli, who... Yep. 
It's growing up. Yep, they're getting uh, big. Yeah, they're getting big. So happy birthday happy to Eli. Be, happy, belated, happy belated to my little Amiya. Hers is on uh, Happy the birthday, night. yes. And uh, I know PJ's birthday's coming up. Your birthday's coming happy, up. Oh, happy belated birthday to my niece, uh, Jamie. She turned uh, six years oh, old awesome. on, awesome. on August birthday. and 4th, lot, as she says it. A lot of birthdays. And then uh, today, my dad's birthday. Papa B, the man, the myth, the legend. You so, know what it so is. So Eli, my dad, the birthday, just, just the birthday's aligning. So happy birthday, I know Kevin. Uh, Kevin excited. Got to have. Got to have a couple of slices of cake. I'm talking. You know, ice cream on top. Come on. I mean. Come on. Look, it's 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 not just cake. Come on. It's cake with ice cream. Yep. Or ice cream with cake. Yep. You, you, Either way, you, you can't can mix mess it, it up. together. You're right. But 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 happy birthday to Eli, yes. my dad. The belated birthdays. The birthdays coming up. A uh, number of guests on the show today. Uh, obviously, tomorrow we'll be back to talk uh, more college football with you. The college football season is upon us. You have. Uh, NFL preseason week number one. I know you had the Hall of Fame game, but I believe NFL preseason week number one starts tonight. Yep. Gary's through the weekend. College football at the end of the month. Uh, high school football, what? Do we have scrimmages tomorrow, PJ? Uh, high school football, I believe, at least some scrimmages tomorrow. And then the start of the uh, regular season right around the corner. So uh, we will see you tomorrow. Kevin Thomas out a little bit early uh, today. And, again, happy birthday to Eli and happy birthday to my dad. We'll see you tomorrow for Kevin Thomas. Uh, I'm B.J. Bennett. That's Ben Troop. P.J. Zuko helping us out as well. We'll see you three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.